How's it going this week? Good, Ange. How are you? Good. Well, that means it's another episode of Money in the Bank. So do you remember what we're talking about this week? Uh, it's part two of something that I recorded two weeks ago. So, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so two weeks ago we talked about, well, last week actually, um, we talked about saving money for short, medium, and long-term goals. And today we're going to talk about getting that money back out. So the opposite of investing, we're going to talk about the distribution phase. All right. The thing that early career starters, you know, don't have to act on now, but it's something they should definitely be concerned with because that determines how you move a lot of that money around. Yeah. And really, this is a great episode for some of our older listeners to really tune into and you know, as they're getting closer to retirement, or even if you're in retirement, this is kind of a great episode for you. Yep. So are you, you know, it's easy to save money, but then what do you do? What do you do with all that money you saved? How do you how do you turn those, right? like I said before, buckets on? Uh, so they start pouring out water into your back into your life and adding exactly. value. So maybe we should start with the, we'll go in order from easy to difficult. So why don't we go ahead and start with short term money? Well, actually, we have to do your trivia question. Oh, almost we got by almost about it. almost forgot. Um, what percentage of Americans have their 401k money run out within six years of starting retirement? Uh, that's a weird figure to go on. So it's probably a larger number. So like 50%. You think 50% of people have their money run out within in six years of retirement? Right. And then and then they all have to go on like government aid, right? Okay. They run out of their own money. 20%. Okay. But it's still pretty um, high, right? So I know that was kind of a weird question, but it actually leads into this episode very well because people mismanaging their money or doing something incorrectly in retirement is a huge problem. Right. So people in retirement need financial planners just as much or if not more than people younger to make sure that their money lasts their entire life. Right. That's a very real problem, Um, especially in the generation of where most of us are not going to have pensions. We have to make sure our 401k money lasts us. So. All right. So moving on, we'll do from easy to hard, like I mentioned. So talking about the distribution. So. For short term, how do you how do you how do you turn that money in? I write a check, right? For, yeah. For especially the people today in that generation used to writing checks, you know, my parents included. So, um, or or just cashing out, right? Yep. So it's it's just money available for them to play with at any time. Yep. And probably a lot of people may be making the decision to move a lot of their long term money into that short term, so it's available for them to use it whenever they need to. Right, and we're, I think we want to talk about whether that is or is not a good idea. Well, that will come. That'll come later. Don't put the cart yeah. before the horse, <laughs> right? So I'm talking right now about dedicated short-term money, which is you know typically emergency funds or sinking funds, which we talked about on last week's episode. But if you have right, the whole idea of short-term money is that you hold in an account that is very easy to access, so that when you need the money. It's right there. You just write a check or you put it on, you know, a credit card and then you can transfer the money right over from your savings account or yeah, or you can do a direct wire or anything. The money is just there for your use. So short-term money is meant to be the easiest to get at and the least complicated. So I don't think we need to make it harder than that. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. So what about medium-term money? So for people maybe, you know, let's say in their 30s who have been saving for a down payment for a house 
it's pretty much the same, right? When when the time comes that you have enough money and you find the house you want, you just write a check. It's just a much bigger check. <laughs> to get it to get it all out of that mutual fund and all out of that all that stuff. Well, depending where you have your medium term yeah. money. So that's kind of where there's a fork. So some people might just have it in a bank account and some people might have it in a mutual fund. So it depends how long it was in there. If you've been saving for a house for 3 years, you don't really need to use a mutual fund, right? We talked about that last week, how mm-hmm. you really want to make sure it's going to be in there. You know, three to really five years is is the better point. Otherwise, it's not really worth the hassle because if you're saving for three years, how much you save matters so much more than the interest you earn on it because it takes money to make money, right? If you're not able to save anything, it doesn't matter if you're getting 10% interest instead of 2% interest, Um you're, you know, you don't have that much that it's growing on. Right. Money plus time equals more money, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, for, you know, for medium term, even if it's in a mutual fund, it's very easy. You can just transfer over the amount you need right from your mutual fund to your checking your savings account and then, you know, go buy whatever that medium term thing was. Item, yeah. yeah. All right. So now, now the tough part, long-term money. Yep. So this is, you know, usually untouched except for extreme circumstances, right? Until you're in your retirement age. Yep. But then you go to retire and it's like, what do I do? Do I make this all short-term money? Right. So do I take it out all out in a lump sum, right? Do I do, you know, slow withdrawals from it? Like what are the rules around that from the government? Like there's a lot of questions and, you know, luckily some companies are better than others at helping their employees figure out what those options are. Yep. Um, but some people just, you know, if you had your own 401k, you're just on your own to figure it out. Well, so. and that's why, you know, 20% of people have their 401k run out so quickly. Um, so really the best thing you can do is to sit down and say, okay, when I am 65 and I retire, how much money am I going to have in income from things like Social Security or a pension or any fixed monthly income? Because basically what you want to do is figure out, here's my expenses, here's what I know I have coming in the door, now what do I need to make up the difference with withdrawing from my 401k? Mm -hmm. So once you have those three numbers, let's say you've sat down and you decided, okay, I need $30,000 a year from my 401k to make, you know, to make ends meet. There's different ways you can do this. Um, Typically... Most people will maintain the balance that they want in their mutual fund still or in their 401k. So they'll say, okay, I've been doing 60% stocks, 40% bonds. That's the allocation that I'm going to stick with. And then once a quarter, I'll just go in and withdraw the 7,500 I need for that quarter and take it out. And then at that time, I'll make sure that, you know, I'll take it out from wherever I need to to make sure that my allocation remains 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Because a lot of people think, okay, I'm in retirement, I'll just take everything out now. But actually, you want to leave that money in there growing in retirement. And that's one thing that you can do to make sure you're not going to run out. Right, because you're not going to spend it all tomorrow. No. So why would you move it into short-term money where you're not getting any kind of an interest rate, any kind of value add for putting it in the savings account like that? Um, You know, you don't need a a million-dollar emergency fund. Right. Right. Yeah, so, you know, I do recommend, I do typically recommend people in with, in retirement 
hold six months to a year in their emergency fund. So I, I really push Longer. towards yeah, larger amounts. a larger amount, which, you know, for us personally, we do three months in our emergency fund because we're young. We have large, you know, income still. But in retirement, I do push that out usually to 12 months. So once you have 12 months in your emergency fund, then every quarter you can go in and take what you need to cover your expenses that quarter. But between the two, you know, you're really set. And even and having a 60% stock, 40% bond allocation is fairly safe that even the money in there, you know, you're you're going to weather the storm better than people like us who do 100% stocks, right? Right. And again, the scenario is, right, even if the stock market crashes, right, because people that are withdrawing money from their 401ks on a regular basis are very risk averse, right? They should be. Right. So, right, putting it in that bond market, it's not, even if the stock market crashes tomorrow, you still don't need the majority of that money for like 10 years. Right. Right. Well, so the stock market's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to like lose all your money if the stocks go down. Mm-hmm. Right. And then... So, right. Yeah, you know, most most retirements in America actually last about 30 years now. So, you know, when you first retire, you don't need a large portion of that money for 30 years, which if you remember our, you know, lessons, you know that your money doubles every 10 years if you just leave it alone. So by only taking out what you need and leaving the rest in there, you're ensuring that you will have enough to provide yourself the income you need for your entire life. Right. You can basically live off of the interest off of all the money that you've collected your whole life. Right. right? That's the goal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one other thing I did want to bring up because you mentioned government distributions. Once you turn 70 and a half, you do have to take required minimum distributions. And the IRS has a lovely, fancy calculator that you can plug your numbers in to figure out how much you need to be withdrawing and that's the minimum that you have to take out every year so i would say let's you know let's go back to my example where you needed thirty thousand dollars a year to supplement your income let's say that they calculate it and they're like you have to take out you know thirty two thousand dollars this year just be aware of that and make sure that you're taking the right amount out but otherwise i recommend leaving it in these 401k vehicles or ira vehicles as long as possible because you just get tremendous tax benefits Right, especially with a traditional IRA, right? Yes. Well, well the no, traditional, even, you get the tax benefits going right, in. Right, no. Yeah, that's true. So, But a, you still get tax-deferred growth mm-hmm. on both Roth and traditional. Okay, okay. So that's huge because that means that you're, the interest that you're earning every year, you're not paying taxes on. So you're gaining more and more and more, and you're letting compounding interest really go to town before you have to start taking anything out. Right. So if I had $100,000 in there, and after over the year, I accrued like a 7% interest rate on that money that I put in there. So, so $7,000. All $7,000 is tax-free coming into out of Into your account. Instead of, you know, normally if you had $7,000 of income, you'd pay about two, you know, one to two grand of taxes. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's a huge, you know, benefit for a lot of people because then the next year you're earning interest on that hundred and seven thousand instead of the hundred and five thousand. Right. And you can see how that very quickly snowballs. Right. Versus if I took that money out and then put it in like a Vanguard fund, even right, because I'm getting I have to pay taxes on all of that interest. Well, just a mutual fund. So Vanguard and, has IRAs. So I don't want to confuse oh, that's true people. Too. All right. Yeah. Any other mutual funds that are not four hundred one k related? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any post tax mutual fund accounts? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, you know, it's it's much more advantageous to leave it in these vehicles if you don't need the money, let it to continue growing. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people have this fear of like, well, or, or this idea of like, I have enough money. You know, we actually met some people over in Prague last year that um, they were retired and they were living the dream and they were like, there's no way we're gonna going to outlive our money. Um, but I always go from a place of being very conservative and I think it's because I've seen loved ones close to me plan to have a certain retirement and things outside of their control happened and they did not necessarily have the amount of money that they thought they would have their entire life. So, you know, I say be, be conservative about it keep that money invested, keep it growing, because at the end of the day, I guess I would rather die with, you know, an extra 10 grand in the bank than $50,000 in the hole. Because most Americans actually die $70,000 in debt. Oh, wow. And where does that just gets transferred to their family? It depends on the type of debt. Mm -hmm. Um, So and if they had co-signers, so some of it would get transferred to their family. And then, you know, a lot of it would be forgiven upon death. Um, but, you know, I guess that's just something in, you know, when I think about my end of life, I don't want to be worrying about, like, am I going to run out of money? I, I would rather not cut it close. <laughs> I'd rather just know, like, I'm good. And, you know, I think that's a huge thing for a lot of people is it, it might seem confusing to keep it invested like that, but that is, that's standard. That's normal. And like I said, when your retirement lasts 30 years, you have time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you have almost you know, half of your entire, you know, life or career to keep building that money. But it, right. just because you retired doesn't mean that all of your money needs to just fly out of you, what you've already been doing, right? Just keep doing what you're doing and then just take out what you need. Right. At that time and know what you need, estimate what you need, know what your living expenses are, especially in retirement, your your situation has changed a little bit, right? You're not commuting as much anymore. You're, you know, you may go down to one car from a family perspective, right? Because people are just at home more often. Right. Yeah, you know, your but eating you also habits might may change. Travel more. Yeah, that's true. So some expenses will go down. Some expenses will go up. On average, the people that I've talked to that have retired, their expenses overall go down. You know, I think you pick up different passions and maybe one of them is cooking more instead of, you know, picking up prepackaged convenience food. Um, so a lot of times when I talk to people, expenses do go down in retirement, but yeah, having a good idea of what your expenses will be for the year and doing a lot of financial review and planning is super critical. So if you're not, you know, good at that, definitely feel free to like consult out to a financial planner. So, okay. So when, is it the right time to start drawing some of this money? Because I know there's some debate whether it's like, because you can, you have to do it at 72 and a half, right? The government says so. 70 and a half seven, is when you sorry, have to start doing reti- required minimum distributions. But then what's the earliest you can do it? Like 65? 59 and a half. You can start taking money out of these vehicles. Without penalties, right? Yes, I so, believe so. So the, obviously there's... In my mind, there's more cons to that situation, right? Because you're not leaving the money in the in the in the accounts as long, and we just recommend it, right, to leave the money in the account as long as you can, right? But without withdrawing, you know, let's talk about the people that were able to save more and want to retire at sixty. Mm-hmm. That's as long as you have a plan. I who am I to tell you when you should start doing it? Now, the one area um, 
that everybody will have a choice is Social Security, right? So you can start taking that at 62, 65, or 70. A lot of people start taking it at 62 because they want to get the money as soon as possible. Because, that, right, intuitively, you're like, okay, I'll start getting it at 62, I get eight extra years. But the amount increases quite significantly if you wait until 70. And now... The amount, the amount you get per month. Per month. month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, and it's different for everybody. So you can actually plug your own numbers into a calculator to see what you would get. But actuarially, um, it is typically a higher value if you wait until age 70 for Social Security. So if I took the money from 62 all the way up to 70 and invested it, it would still not be as beneficial to me as if I just started drawing it at 70. At Is 70. what you're saying? Okay. Yes. And and for most people. So, I mean, you know, if you want to turn on at 62, it's probably pretty negligible, honestly. Um, but if you want to fully optimize everything, then waiting till 70 typically has a higher payout for your lifetime. Okay. So... Um, but outside of that, you know, when you want to start doing things from your 401k or IRA, it's really up to your financial plan and making you have it in place. So, you know, everyone always says, well, what's the magic number that I need to hit from to be able to retire? Um, and Social Security can kind of complicate it. But w- basically what I would want you to do is sit down and say, this is a pretty g- solid estimate of what my annual expenses will be in retirement. So... This includes everything, right? Your home, your food, your um, health care, because that's going to probably increase in retirement. You're going to have to start paying your own health insurance again. All your own benefits, right? Dental, vision, right. all that stuff. And right? prescriptions, which typically as you age, you're on more prescriptions. So definitely padding in enough for medical expenses is very important. But once you get an idea of, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to need $50,000 per year in retirement. Then you can start backing out, okay, well, I get, I'm going to get so much for Social Security, and then I need to be able to cover the gap. And, you know, in our example, it's 30000 So what you need to do is sit down and on paper, one quick sniff test, and this is just very basic, so don't rely on this, but if you take that 30000 and you multiply it by 25 times, then that is roughly what you need to retire. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, if you keep your money invested in a 60% stock, 40% bond allocation. And only withdraw $30,000 per year. year. Yes. And, you know, some people might feel more comfortable withdrawing that on the first of every year and taking the full 30. That's definitely an option, too. You don't have to do it quarterly. Quarterly is just a recommendation of, like, It's not super frequent, like every single month where you're getting all of the volatility of the stock market, but not so infrequent, like annually, where you get this lump sum of money and you want to spend it right away. Because that's actually a huge problem that a lot of people have with 401ks. They retire, they cash in their entire 401k, they have, you know, $100,000 burning a hole in their pocket, and then they don't have a retirement anymore. Right, because you have more money now than you've ever had at any one time before available to you and that makes you feel invincible right right and then right 20 years from now assuming that you're still alive in retirement you know you're out of money basically because you didn't continue investing that huge huge lump sum of money to keep making the interest 
you know, because every every year you gain a, another year of retirement that you can live in just off of the interest alone. Right. So. All right. So do you have other questions or do you, did that cover most of your curiosity about this distribution topic? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of material here. Um, I, and I think we covered, a, you know, a good portion of it. So people that have questions about retirement or are planning on retiring or are already in retirement and, you know, maybe have like not put the money where they need to be putting it. Um, you know, I think there's, there's still time. And if you have drawn out all the money that right out of your 401k and tried to put it in that emer- or emergency fund type of bank account, you know, there's, you can still do whatever you want with it. You're still not going to spend it all tomorrow. Right. You can still invest it however you want to invest it, even if you've already withdrawn it from the 401k but safety net. My big caution on taking money out of a 401k or IRA structure is it is so much harder to get it back in. Right. So once you get it out. Once it's out, it's out. Yeah. And then so that's something that, you know, I really want to highlight for people who, you know, maybe you're 50 and you're just starting to think about some of this stuff and you're going to retire in 10 years is it is it is a very good strategy to leave that in as long as possible and to just take out what you need per year. And then, like I mentioned, when the required minimum distributions kick in, make sure you're aware of that when you're, you know, when you're approaching 70 and you know what your required minimum distributions are and make sure you're taking that out because otherwise you will start getting hit with tax implications. Right. Follow the rules, right? That's what they always tell you. And I I know it's confusing to think about all of this and to know what all the rules are. And, you know, I think that's really where having a good accountant or a good financial planner can actually add a lot of benefit. Not Maybe not even every year of your retirement, but if you're going to retire and you're very nervous about this sort of thing, having somebody that you can just ask questions to for even the first year or two can be a huge help, right? Because it gets you over that initial like scary hurdle of knowing what you're doing. And then you're like, okay, this all makes sense now. Right. Oh, so one other question I suppose is if I am going to be drawing out money from retirement, right? How do I actually figure out what that number is? I know you said it was bridging the gap between social security and my expenses, but like, should I be, is, is that the only number I should be drawing, be drawing out? Should I be drawing out like a little more than that? you know, just in case to like have a build a higher level emergency well, fund? Or? So, you know, I typically recommend people who retire, by the time they retire, they have about 12 months of an emergency fund saved up. So I don't think you really need to take out more than that. So, you know, in our example, we were taking out 30000 a year. I would take out the 30000 whether you do it monthly, quarterly, annually, I don't really care. And then if you dip into your emergency fund that year, then the next time you withdraw, take out enough to fill that back up. Right. And then eventually you'll find a balance, right? For, right. Because for, maybe you were off by your estimate for your living expenses. Yeah. And just, yeah, always know that your living expenses are going to increase probably every single year over year. Yeah. Right. The, as you get older, stuff gets more expensive. Aging is very expensive. Yeah. And I think that's what takes a lot of people by surprise. You know, you plan to retire on 50000 a year. That sounds like so much money. And then things happen and you you know, have to go to rehab centers or you have to, whatever your medical needs are. And before you know it, you know, you, your living expenses go from 50,000 a year to 75,000 a year. Okay. You know, so I think it's also, there are actually different calculators out there that can help people get a feel for this. And if you just type in, you know, retirement cost projection calculator, I'm sure you can find something of what I'm talking about, which then those are really nice because they can kind of trace back and give you a lump sum that you need. But in general, if you take 
a fairly decent estimate of your living expenses and you multiply it, multiply it by 25, you're going to be okay. Because that means your first few years of retirement, you're living on interest alone and you're not tapping that lump sum. So then when you need it someday, you still have that money. Mm-hmm. The uh, That was kind of a leading question though that I asked because I think there's other concerns around like tax implications for how much money you withdraw in your retirement, right? Because if you draw too much, right, then you pump yourself up into a higher tax bracket. So you want to kind of try and edge that balance of you want to stay in the, the lowest tax bracket you possibly can, right? Right. Um, so That's not, why I so recommend extra. only withdrawing what you need. Mm-hmm. And then and you then, stay in the lowest. And then years that you need more, you just have to bite the bullet and withdraw what you need and pay the taxes. Right. And by doing that, right, the the theory is that you've left the money in the account long enough that it made you more money than the ta- than the additional tax implications right. are for drawing it out anyway. Exactly. So if I leave if I leave like you know a million dollars in this account for twenty years, I'm gonna have like more. I've, I'm gonna have you're gonna have four million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have way more money than I needed to than uh than the tax implications are gonna steal right. it away from me. And you know nothing would be worse than panicking and taking out all of it in one year, right? Because then you just get hit with a super huge tax bill. And, you know, I think especially in retirement, I know a lot of people are more risk averse. And it can be hard to watch your balances go up and down because you don't really have the stomach for that. But, you know, just rest assured, stick to the plan, take out what you need, and you have time to recover. You know, when you're when you're 65 years old and you're retiring, your life expectancy is still another 20 to 30 years. You, Your money has time to bounce back. So stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. Make a plan and stick to it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to remind everybody to enter our contest. We are, I believe this is episode 47 now, 46 or 47. Um, We're so getting close. We are getting very yeah. close to episode 50 is my point. And we are giving away $50 on that episode to anybody who leaves a review of our podcast or shares it with a friend. So do that. Let me know you did it at Angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And you could have $50 sent your way in just a few weeks. Yep. Just send a screenshot or, you know, anything that lets us know that you actually did it. And, you know, you're, you're entered to win free money. Yeah. Gotta love that. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.